Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to Podcast Room 303. Introducing one co-host with more nuggets than Chick-fil-A, Nick Morahan. Executive producer until we find someone better, Eric Washington. Nobody really knows what he does around here. Nevada Putnam. And now, the single greatest thing to happen to hosting in history, Jermaine Antonio Colon Mendez. On with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to another episode of Podcast Room 303. Today's episode 203. We'll be getting into Pop Culture Pick'em, head-to-head, NHL season review or postseason review, and the 2023 NBA draft will be today's betting topic. For the Pop Culture Pick'em idea, we have top five worst draft picks. How are you doing this evening, Nick? I'm good. Uh, The... Uh, Colorado Rockies managed to give me some hope uh, about two weeks ago. I thought maybe you know, there were there are three games or four games out of a wild card spot. I thought that maybe that maybe this would be the year that in, in a down National League in a topsy turvy National League, an odd baseball year, maybe this was the year that the Rockies snuck in as a wild card team. Then anything, anything could happen. Um, and I think I I sent a stat to you guys today uh, that the Rockies. Uh, are oh and uh, have not won the last. Their starting pitcher has not won in the last twenty five contests. Um, uh, so. Just like they drew it up, right? I mean, you know, we got beat. I think the score was the, the four game series against the Braves. If you would have taken our highest total of runs of any of the four games and the Braves' lowest total of any of the four games, we still were lost by two runs. Uh, we got outscored forty to seventeen, uh, but we didn't get. I mean, Nevada made a good point. We didn't get no hit. So I mean, it's it's uh, it's time for the real Rockies fans to stop going to the games in Colorado, and time for the influencers to take over uh, in Colorado. So apparently, I you know my buddy's going to the game on Friday, and he said that that the pavilion tickets are sold out. So I don't know what's going on in Colorado. They love bad, cheap baseball. Doesn't everybody? That's a good point. I really do. <laughs> I prefer bad, cheap baseball. How are you doing this evening, Eric? Well, you're on mute, so not oh. that well. <laughs> doing good, bro. Sorry, I apologize. I didn't realize I was on mute. Uh, no, I just wanted to uh, uh, bring a message here to the fans, though. Um, I would really like the MLB to stop the Asian hate. Okay. Because I've seen the numbers Otani's putting up this year, and I know he got robbed last year, the AL MVP. And I really think when the man leads his team in basically every major statistical category on batting and pitching, that he should be the MVP. He should have won it last year. Um, it's going to be my thing all off season with baseball since that's all there is now. I'm just going to sink my teeth into Otani and ride that until somebody hears me because I think that man deserves. I think I'm sure he already has one, but he needs more MVPs because he's the best baseball player in the world. So. MLB needs to listen to this podcast and give that man his trophy. But Eric, Aaron Judge hit 62 home runs last year. It was a record. It was not a record. Otani leads the A's, or at least the Angels, by the way, in batting average, runs, home runs, runs batted in, 
wins, earned run average, strikeouts, and walks, hits per innings pitch. The only category that he does not lead the Angels in is saves. That's it? That's it. That's all he leads them in? Pfft. Yeah, but he didn't hit 62 home runs, so that's the only stat that matters, apparently. Such bullshit, dude. And what, what is the uh, – you probably won't be able to find it on DraftKings right now, but – what what is the what is the MVP race right now? What what are the MVP odds, Eric? Let me go pull it up real quick. Because <clears throat> I don't should, I, should have had them up. Should have just known we needed these. I don't think Shohei is running away with the MVP race, and it's quite it's just astounding to me. Well, he's not because you know there's international bias. I guess so. Well, let's see. I got it pulled up here. Let me share my screen. Y'all see also, that? He do, also, he doesn't play for a winning baseball team. So, yeah, we do. Yeah. So he is the favorite. Oh, right minus, minus. 425. Oh, my God. Aaron Judge is plus 1,700. You've got to be fist fucking me. Oh, Jesus Christ. Wasn't he playing well? He's not playing. He hasn't played in a while. I mean, what is it? Two weeks since he crashed into the wall at Dodgers? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's on the ten-day DL. But the fact that he's second—I mean, he was playing pretty outstanding. Though. He hasn't—he hasn't played in sixteen days. Yeah. So then, what have Wander Franco and Corey Seager? What have those two guys been doing? He was hitting two ninety-one, nineteen home runs, forty RBIs. All right, that's all right. <laughs> That's all right. Aaron Judge is balling. <laughs> and the thing is, this year he was actually doing more on defense. Wonder Franco's hitting 290, eight home runs, 32 RBIs, 3.8 wins above replacement. Who is the other guy? Uh, Corey Seager. And Aaron Judge is, has better stats and hasn't played in 16 days. Corey Seager is, is hitting. is hitting – 363, 10 home runs, 40 RBIs. Corey Seager's hitting 363? Yeah. 0.363. Yes. If he is hitting safely 36.3% of the balls that he puts into play. Oh, wow. Why are we not talking about that? Because it's not Aaron Judge. My man is hitting over 350. Hey, who was the kid that was hitting uh, 400? Luis Areza. Let's do a let's do a weekly let's do a weekly uh, review of his statistics. I want to see he's, where this guy is now. He's below four hundred now. Well, let's fuck obviously, <laughs> obviously. Uh, he's hitting three eighty eight, uh, two home runs, thirty three RBIs. He leads the league in hits though with ninety seven though. Uh, what's the next closest? Uh, stand by. My guy is hitting 388. It's fucking June. It it's it's June. By the time people are listening to this, it's June 20th, and my man is hitting 388. And I ain't heard a single peep about this. Well, from me, you have because I say he's not going to win MVP. Uh, he's actually not leading the majors. Bo Bichette leads the majors with 98 hits. He does lead the National League by three hits over Ronald Acuna, who I think might win. Uh, NL MVP. Yeah, he NL probably odds? will. What's the NL odds? Of course, on the one year I didn't fucking bet on him. You've got to be kidding me. 
You said you were going to, though. Well, I did it, okay? Well, so then that's all you, sir. Uh, Otani has 83 hits, by the way. That's six in the league. Eric, uh, what's the NL odds? <clears throat> NL odds right here. Boom. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you, can still get, you can still get Acuna at minus 140. Wow, that's pretty good odds. Yeah, that's not bad. He's playing lights out again this, this year. This is a rookie, right? He's the Diamondbacks rook. Yeah, Nick has him a bet in for rookie of the year, I believe. I'm, yeah, I'm Corbin Carroll. Yeah. I'll put some uh, – some uh, pizza money on him to win an MVP. You gotta hope Acuna gets injured. Acuna um, plays like, out. Yeah, that's a pretty bad bet. But yeah, go for it, brother. Plus eight hundred. What do you gotta lose? Again, uh, Luis uh, Luis Areza is uh, plus three thousand. Acuna so, is just because he injury prone or stupid. beat up his girlfriend. Which one was it? Uh, injury prone. You're thinking injury of Marcelo prone. Zuna. Oh, okay, cool. I I don't want to put cast judgments until I ask, but just <laughs> yes. wanted to make sure I wasn't. They do play for the same team in okay. the same outfield, so <laughs> you are you would be no. It's, it, you you, <laughs> it's were ball, you were in the ball. You were in the ballpark. You were in the ballpark. The kids would say, literally in the ballpark. All right, so that's our long-winded introduction about how Otane is the single greatest baseball player since Mike Trout, and neither of them are better than Barry Bonds. There you go. Hit all the home runs you want, Otani. You're not going to be better than Barry B. Let's go ahead and uh, get into Pop Culture Pick'em. So today's order is going to be Eric, Nick, myself. It's top five worst draft picks. I think that's too broad and too easy a topic. I'll be narrowing mine down to number one overalls. Nick, are you narrowing yours down? No. Okay, cool. Mine are all first round picks, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 Mine, mine, mine are all first. And round. the majority of mine are our number one picks. So I'm, you know, but I got to start with something that touches close to home. I got the first pick. Um, I still lose sleep over this. I think this is when I started balding. Um, the, <laughs> the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles in the 2020 draft for the 21 pick, they took Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. And. <laughs> I just I'll yeah. never get over that. So that's my number one pick. It's a good pick, dude. He's a good wide receiver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you not know how to spell Rager? No, I just okay. I had a mini stroke. Yeah, what, a- no, what number overall was he? Uh, number twenty-one, I believe. Want me to include all that? Yeah. All right, so we have Jalen Rager uh, off the board. The blow has since been softened since the Titans didn't understand how to throw the football to AJ Brown. Uh, and you know, you don't really have to explain that pick. All right, Nick, let's get your number one overall. Yes, yeah, so I'm gonna start out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start out with a guy named Danny Goodwin. All right, he was an infielder drafted twice in the major leagues 1971 and 1975. He's the only MLB player to be drafted first overall twice. He was drafted first <laughs> overall coming out of high school, drafted first overall coming out of college. And didn't do anything in the main. My man's played seven years. He had a career average of two sixty six or two thirty six, and he had a minus one point seven wins above replacement. He's above the Chris Davis line. The Chris, yeah, I, Chris Davis was a good hitter for a little bit at least. <laughs> Chris, Chris Davis earned that giant contract. He just didn't play well. <laughs> what uh, year was what, it, Nick? What? 
What year was that? You said there was two years, 85 uh, and 87? No, 71 and 75. 71. 71 and 75. All right, my first pick, I'll take uh, number one overall. We'll take you back to the 2017 NBA draft. It's going to be Markel Fultz. <laughs> Trust the process. That was my next pick, so. Trust the process. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. I I could not pass up that but, pick. Like, I but, just couldn't do it, dude. Between my biological father and the Philadelphia 76ers, I will never have trust. I will never – I will always have trust issues. I've trusted this process <laughs> so long, and I've seen – a shit team like the Atlanta Hawks make it to two Eastern Conference Finals since we started that bullshit. Oh, <laughs> uh, and then I'll I'll double I'll follow that up with another NBA pick, a 2001 Washington Wizards Kwame Brown. It's a good pick. Okay, I got my Jermaine was going to take all the NBA ones. I got my center and point guard of the future. <laughs> I'm ready to go, dude. So I'll, be, because Eric said that, I'm gonna flip my order up a little bit. I'm going Greg Oden. Hey, 2007 number one overall, Greg Oden, right? Greg Oden. Yeah. You may say to yourself, Nick, Greg Oden, not a good player. We all know about him. He only played 105 games in his career. He never played over 39 games in a year. He never played a half, a full half season in the NBA. And just to add insult to injury, the Portland Trailblazers. Do you know the the, the Portland Trailblazers have now passed on three of probably three Hall of Famers in their respective drafts: Dr. Dre, Dr. J, not Dr. Dre, Dr. J, MJ, and then Kevin Durant is who they is who Greg Oden was picked before. Man, <laughs> and probably more. That's a pretty bad beat, my man. Pretty bad beat. Shout out the uh, shout out the uh, <laughs> Portland Trailblazers. Have there been any number one overall picks for the NHL that have shit the bed? Oh, just let me get there. It's <laughs> on. It's on my list. <laughs> Is it the Atlanta Trashers guy? No, it's not the Atlanta Thrashers. I mean, all right, Eric, take us with your. Your two overall, and then uh, your third. Uh, so my second pick, I'm gonna go Darko Milicic. He was the number two pick. No, yeah, yeah, number two pick in 2003, ahead of people like Carmelo and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and a whole bunch of other dudes. Uh, it was a terrible got pick. Um, and then since I'm pretty sure somebody else is gonna take this, I'm gonna go with Jamarcus Russell. Oh, number one in 2007, I believe it was for the Oakland Raiders. Jamarcus Russell, by the way, 25 games started in those 25 games. He had a seven and 18 record. Now, that's not to say the Oakland Raiders were good at the time, but a seven and 18 record, 18 touchdowns to 23 interceptions, a 52.1% completion percentage. 131 yards per game, and his QBR in any season was not above 29. I could have done that. <laughs> Comparing you to Jamarcus Russell, yes. You probably are in better shape than Jamarcus Russell. Yeah. 
My favorite Jamarcus Russell story. Do we talk about this on the podcast? We talk about this every time we talk about Jamarcus Russell. <laughs> is, is his coaches giving him film to watch? And he, and he comes in the next week or the next time they have a film session. They go, Jamarcus, Jamarcus, you watch the tape? He was like, yeah, man, those plays were good. We should really implement them. And they were like, there was nothing on the tape, you fucking asshole. Like, if you would have fucking put it in the, the, the DVD player, you would have fucking seen that. <laughs> All right, so, so, so Jermaine alluded to it. My uh, third pick is going to be Rick DiPietro. If you don't know who Rick DiPietro is, Rick DiPietro is one of the three. He was drafted in 2000, Eric, the 2000 number one overall pick. D-I-P-I-E-T-R-O, DiPietro. Rick DiPietro was one of three in hockey history goalies drafted first overall. He was drafted first overall in the year 2000. The funny thing is the Islanders drafted Rick DiPietro Three years after drafting another goalie, you may have heard of Roberto Luongo because they thought DPH was going to pan out more. Now, DPH was an average goalie, right? He played 318 games uh, in the NHL. He had a 2.87 goals against average, and he had a 90.2 save percentage. So a- an average uh, uh, an average goaltender. But for first overall, when, when, you, when, when the last person drafted first overall was Marc-Andre Fleury is a pretty – uh, is a pretty high bar. What I wanted to highlight DiPietro for is that in 2006, with the stats I just read you, in 2006, he got a 15-year, yes, one five-year, $67.5 million contract. That is an insane contract. However, he played so poorly that the Islanders bought him out in 2013. They bought him out for $1.5 million a year until 2029. My God. <laughs> Saving money. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, so you're going Rick DiPietro. I'm taking my NHL pick for this. It's going to be Nail Yakupov. Oh, dude, he's so bad. <laughs> he played for the Avs. <laughs> uh, he's so bad, dude. Uh, yeah, he was – sorry, Eric. He was the first overall in 2012 by the Edmonton Oilers fucking losers. Uh, he already is not in the league. As of – he left the league in 2018. So he I was lasted – I, I was about to say 2018, yeah. He lasted uh, six years. I don't have any statistics to back it up, but that's uh, a pretty bad hit rate when it comes to <laughs> a first overall. overall. He, was a, he was a pretty decent backup player for the Avs. Like, he was a pretty decent player for the Avs. We got him when he was like – when he was like going through that draft bust stage of his career where they're actually like an average to above average player. Yeah. Uh, I can't, uh, I, Nevada can tell the story better than I can, but I think what some, maybe it was Phil Kessel and to cut this to come from Phil Kessel would be shocking, but he said, Neil Yakupov was the laziest person he's ever met. Like didn't try, like didn't care, like just like wanted to not play hockey but just didn't have anything else going on. <laughs> That's so funny. Didn't have anything else going yeah, on. Yeah, so like you weren't playing wasn't, I think, I think the quote, the quote, we'll have to get Nevada on to tell this, but the quote was, yeah, I mean, he wasn't good at anything else, so I guess he was decent at hockey. <laughs> uh, so 
I'm going to switch gears here and go to NFL since I was blamed for picking NBA players. Uh, I'll take 2002 number one overall pick. Would you guys like to guess who that is? Ryan Leaf. Oh, no. Ryan Leaf was second. 2002. Super Bowl champion. Super Bowl champion, by the way. Super Bowl champion. Trent, (laughs) Trent, no. Trent Dilfer was – oh, dude, I don't know. David Carr. Oh, God damn it. David Carr, who the better of the Carr brothers, who may not, (laughs) who should not be on this list, other than the fact that his organization let him down. They had uh, what some people would call turnstiles for an offensive line. And uh, let me see if I can't look this up. Uh, I'm trying to see how many sacks he had in his career. (laughs) Then we we were looking up some Cam Newton stat or some Joe Burrow stat, and it was like he was still on the list for most hit quarterbacks <laughs> in a season. Like 2004 was like not David Carr's year. David Carr, I think he had like a sack breaking record uh, in one of his seasons. I'll I'll look oh, up the yeah. stat, but I had to get David Carr on the list since Jamar- Jamarcus Russell was already taken. Uh, all right, so I'll I'll stick uh, I'll stick football here. I'm gonna go with the uh, Carolina Panthers 1997 27th pick. All right, so I'm breaking the mold here a little bit. Uh, this man was an All American at Colorado and had a very uh, interesting Carolina Panthers career. He was an All Rookie. He was an All Rookie in 1998, wearing of course the icon now iconic number 89. Thank God he didn't. Uh, thank God Steve Smith came along. Uh, after this man broke his foot in 1998, he played all the games in 1999, but only caught 14 passes for 200 yards. Uh, the man I'm referring to is Ray Carruth, obviously. Uh, Ray Carruth, in the 1999 offseason, uh, hired his friend and bodyguard to try and, <laughs> to try and kill his baby mama who at the time was eight months pregnant. Uh, He pulled up, stopped her, like stopped her at intersection. The guy pulled up right next to her, shot her, but didn't kill her, shot her enough so that she was conscious enough to call 911 and be like, Ray Carruth pulled up in front of my car, right? Because she knows who Ray was. She's like, Ray pulled up in front of my car. Mom died later, right? The baby because they had to do an emergency C-section and was out without oxygen for like 60 minutes, got cerebral palsy. Ray then, damn it, dude. Ray then fled, and he was discovered two months later and arrested uh, in the trunk of a car outside of a West Tennessee motel. So uh, one of the most, actually I would say the most infamous uh, Carolina Panthers pick and probably one of the NFL's uh, spots they'd like to forget. That's so crazy. So David Carr what started 79 games in his history, right? Mm-hmm. Played 94 overall, but I, I am only taking starts and sack total. Uh, in his 79 starts, he was sacked an average of 3.38. He led the league in 02, 04, and 05. Uh, for number of sacks, 76 and 02. That was his rookie year. Okay. 49 and 04 and 68 and 05. 
amount of yards lost uh, just by sacks is 1,564. <laughs> <laughs> and his sack. That's a good rushing season. His sack. Yeah, that's a, that's a <laughs> real good rushing season. His sack percentage was 10.5% for his career. So, like, t- all uh, the the dropbacks he took. How long did he play? Did you say that? He played. So, he went from 02 to 07. And that's yeah. kind of when so six they, years. they tried to make him a starter. Right. And then he played from 08 to 2012, skipping the 2011 year. Um. So he played almost 10 years in the league. And in those 10 years, he was sacked on 10% of his dropbacks. That's what I'm saying. That's incredible. <laughs> he also won a Super Bowl championship with the New York Giants. Uh, thank you. Thank God for <laughs> David Tyree. <laughs> yeah, he won the uh, the 2012 Super Bowl. He was the backup quarterback that year. You know what? For, and for God bless him. And And God bless him. Yeah, that organization really let him down. So. <laughs> this is like – and uh, he was such a promising quarterback. I remember when he was coming into the league, I was kind of hyped to see him play. And then he was going to Houston. They just gave him no offense. It was me, you, and Eric lining up at offensive right. line. We had Nevada left tackle. Right, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think a guy smaller than Nevada, yeah. Oh, R.I.P. David Carr. All right, Eric, go ahead and give us your last two picks. Uh, all right. Um, holy crap, let me put on my list. Uh, so with my next pick, I'm going to go Sam Bowie. Um, as uh, Nick mentioned earlier, the uh, Portland Trailblazers passed on Michael Jordan and took Sam Bowie at number two in 1984. Uh, and then with my final pick, I'm going to take uh, – this might be a reach, but I'm going to take Trent Richardson, number three. Uh, he was drafted number three by Cleveland in 2012. I mean, yeah, nobody's going to yeah. argue Trent Richardson. Yeah. So. He, he was he was going to be on my list, but I decided to to go to dig a little deeper. All right, so Nick, we got your last pick. All right, so my last pick. I'm I'm also I'm, I'm going to stay these these last two picks. I'm I'm going to stay with uh, I'm stay with Homer picks. So Greg Reynolds was the second overall pick of the Colorado Rockies in the 2006 draft. Uh, He was a highly touted right-handed pitcher. Uh, He unfortunately only played three seasons in the MLB. He played 2008, 2011, and 2013. He went 6-11 and with a 7.01 ERA. He was famously drafted ahead of, at the second uh, second overall pick, ahead of Evan Longoria, Clayton Kershaw, and Max Serger. Oh, <laughs> oh! Thank you, Colorado. Evan never won a World Series, right? Longoria? Yeah, he was a centerpiece to the Giants. Uh, the the Giants. I thought run. he was on the. I thought he was on the Rays. Uh oh yeah, you're right. Um, who was I thinking? He could have. He could have been on both. I'm just. Eric, can you no, look up was. Evan Longoria for us? He was. Jeez, why did I think that he? So Diamondbacks now. Um, He's still in the league. Yeah. Holy shit! You trying to see if he won a World Series with the? Uh, he the never league? won. A, he never won a World Series. No. 
No, yeah, he never did. He was, he was part of those Rays teams that won, were always, yeah. yeah, they were always real good. They just can't get over the hump. Yeah, he won Rookie of the Year in two thousand eight. Yeah, Evan Longoria was a was a baller. So, <laughs> so I actually have the last pick in the draft, and I was going to go a few different directions. I was thinking Sam Bradford. Uh, oh, that's a good one. Sam Bradford in twenty ten. Uh, Baker Mayfield in 2018, uh, Andrea Bargani in 2006. That like f- number one overall pick for the Raptors was an absolute miss. Uh, but I'm gonna go Anthony Bennett. Um, 2013 number one overall to the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, arguably the worst draft pick on this board. And that's saying something. I don't think anything will ever beat Jamarcus. No chance, dude. Anthony Bennett. Anthony Bennett did what, what was his averages? Didn't he like not play after his first year ever again <laughs> in the league? Yeah, Anthony Bennett was just a veritable who's who of bummage, dude. So let me let me pull up Anthony Bennett's stats. And who is he drafted by? Cleveland. Oh yeah. I to be honest, dude. I don't know who that man is. <laughs> Nobody does. I don't even people in Cleveland do. I don't. I don't. I don't mean to be an asshole, but I have no idea who that man is. <laughs> so that's why I'm saying, right? So he's a six eight power forward uh, <laughs> from Toronto, Ontario. He played a 151 games, so that's not even two seasons. Okay. He averaged – you guys want to take a guess at what he averaged? Uh, 5.4 points. <laughs> oh, that's a pretty good guess. Not it, though. <laughs> Damn. Eric? Uh, points, I'm going to say 3.8. <laughs> you guys are right there. He averaged 4.4 points. Yeah, buddy. total rebounds and a half assist a game. His slashes for shooting, right? So 39.2% from the field, 26.1% from three, 67% from the free throw, and he has an effective field goal percentage of 42%. That's good, right? I'm not a a hoop head. That's good, right? (laughs) No, it's not good at all, dude. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Last thing, and I'll turn it over to you, Eric, and you can parry him some more. Uh, His win shares added in 151 games was 0.5. That's good, dude. That's a half game. (laughs) From your number one overall pick. (laughs) You're winning. You're winning a half game. If you tell tell me a player is going to win me one half of 180 games. (laughs) 151. 151. All right, Eric, go ahead. All right, so here's some interesting stats. Uh, it's two interesting stats. Um, he did not score in his first five games oh, in the NBA. Man. He missed his first 15 shots, and the most points he ever scored was 21 time against the Spurs. Can you just imagine the GM? And then the like, other stat. God yeah. damn it! <laughs> and this is the part where you're going to say, God damn it. The Cavaliers and the Minnesota Timberwolves in his career paid him $20,630,554. Bro, you know what I love about like the the mid 2000s? 
or like the the mid to like the the mid 2010s is that we hadn't gotten in these CBAs yet where they realized that we were paying rookies way too much money. So rookie <laughs> contracts could just set you for life. Sam Bradford, dude. Yeah, dude. Sam Bradford should have made this list purely based on how much money that fucker got paid. Right. Let me, let me, let me, like, now that I just thought about that, I just wanted to look up how much Jamarcus Russell made. He made $50 million. He, he signed a six-year $61 million contract with $32 million guaranteed. <laughs> Dude, the 2000s were wild with, with, these fucking, with these contracts. Yo, the owners realized real quick they needed to put well, a cap on these rookie like, contracts. Dude, Jamarcus Russell made $40 million over his career. <laughs> he was not worth 40 He wasn't even worth $4 million, bro. Oh, oh my goodness. So Anthony Bennett, j- rookie season 2013-2014, played for Cleveland. Uh, 52 games, zero starts from your number one overall pick. Right? 2014-2015, he got he's traded to Minnesota. 57 games, three starts. 2015-2016, he's traded to Toronto, or he signs. I don't know how he got there. Uh, 19 games, zero starts. Then he goes to uh, Brooklyn in 2016, 2017. 23 games, one start. So from your number one overall pick, you had four career starts out of him. And my man's made 16.5 mil in his career. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, Anthony Bennett. Way to Yo. come up on that. Please. <laughs> no doubt, dude. So Anthony Bennett was who I was going to lead this board with, but I knew there was bigger names that I had to go get. And so I let him fall to see, I was like, yo, if someone gets him, someone gets him. But this is by far the worst number one overall pick of all time. I mean, you got four starts out of a number one overall pick. And you had to trade Andrew Wiggins to Minnesota with him. Well, they did that for Kevin Love. Right. That was when they signed LeBron and had Kyrie. So, and Thaddeus Young got traded to Minnesota. <laughs> Fucking Anthony Bennett, dude. He's absolutely, he's the absolute worst. I don't like. He is not mentioned enough when we talk about like draft duds because he is such an epic dud. Nobody even knows he got taken out number one overall. I, yeah, like I said, I mean, I know some pretty good duds. You know, you see these lists pop up every now, right around draft time normally. Uh, I, I have one honorable mention, and that's only because I thought of him, and it would be funny. Billy Bean. <laughs> Billy Bean, the Oakland A's GM, very famously popularized in the movie A Moneyball. He was the 23rd pick of the 1980 New York Mets. He played six years, never playing over 80 games a season. His career average was 219. And he had a minus 1.6 wins above replacement. Jesus Christ. I mean, it, it kind of worked out, but. <laughs> uh, he hit slightly worse than Danny Goodwin. Yeah, slightly. <laughs> I've never even heard that Goodwin name before. Imagine being number one overall twice in your life and sucking. <laughs> That's so crazy. Dude. It's amazing that you were number one and then you were like, oh, you know what? I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go work on my craft in college. 
You work on your craft. Nothing goes wrong for, I think, three years. I like, well, that would be four years, right? 72, <clears throat> 73, 74, 75. Yeah. So four years, nothing goes wrong. He you play great. You play great. He continues great. to develop as a baseball player. And then just my man just shit that was like, I did it. <laughs> look, Bob, I told you I look, could get look, drafted Mom. twice. <laughs> All right, I'm yeah. going home. I'm going it's home. Like, it's, it's like his buddies bet him. Like, you you won't get drafted twice. <laughs> He's like, All right, watch me. All right, bet. Eric, read us the list and let's move on to head to head. Uh, all right, so before I give us the list, I had one honorable mention. It was, oh, the yeah, 80, it was the 86 second pick in the NBA draft. It was Len Bias by the Celtics. Oh, yeah. yeah, RIP. RIP, true. Uh, all right, so <laughs> for uh, today's draft, uh, top five worst draft picks of all time, uh, I had the first pick. I went Jalen Rager, number 21 in 2020. Darko Milicic, number two in 2003. Jamarcus Russell, number one in 2007. Sam Bowie in number two in 1984, and Trent Richardson number three in 2012. Nick had the second pick. Danny Goodwin, a two-time number one draft pick in 71 and 75. Greg Oden, number one in 2007. Rick DiPietro, number one in 2000. Ray Carruth, uh, famously known for hiding in the trunk of his car when the police were looking for him for murder. Uh, Number 27, 1997. And Greg Reynolds, number two in 2006. Jermaine had the third pick. He went Markel Fultz, number one in 2017. Kwame Brown, number one in 2001. Nail Yakupov, number one in 2012. David Carr, number one in 2002. And Anthony Bennett, the biggest bust of all, number one in 2013. I stand by that, dude. That dude is an absolute atrocity to grace the NBA floor. Yeah, god awful. Man, I'm I'm just reading about like Danny Goodwin. <laughs> Dude, so good drafted twice, number one. Yeah. Has that ever happened in any other sport? Uh, well, it can't. Kyler Murray was drafted number one in two different sports, right? Uh no, I think he was drafted. I think he was the twenty third pick of Oakland, maybe. Oh, okay. That's a, yeah, uh, it was it was Goodwin is the only player to be drafted first overall in the major league draft in two separate drafts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, no, he was drafted first. Oh, he was drafted ninth overall by the Athletics. Sorry. Okay. All right. Let's get into head to head. Walk us through it, Eric. All right. So last week was week twenty three of the head to head. Strong week for some of us. Pretty bad week for a couple of us. Uh, getting off going is Jermaine. Uh, went zero and three last week. That's because Nick liked the bets right after I put him in. <laughs> I was, dude, I didn't say I didn't say anything. But that Josh Turner bet, I had a home run bet that same day. That Tampa Bay minus one and a half, I had that same bet the same day. Fucking a! If I would, you gotta front load me with your bets. I will never ride. I, you said, oh, get out of my head twice, and I was like. Fuck me, that's 0-2. <laughs> I didn't even check the bet. I just called him an L and then threw in a mystic parlay <laughs> to try to recoup some losses and then got butt-fucked by the Brewers on that one, dude. I was just not having it. I was not happy at all with head-to-head this week. Nick, submit your bets and don't you dare ride any of my bets, you fucking I'm just not. I'm just not going to tell you. <laughs> and I put these bets in like the funny thing is I put these bets in like in the morning 
Like I was like, Ooh, like that's an interesting bet. Like Justin Turner crushes the Rockies. Like I'm going to bet him home run. If only I would have fucking known, dude. I was, like, I, ooh, I was like, ooh, Tampa Bay playing Oakland. They was a close game yesterday. Not going to be a close game this day. I'm All I'm saying is I have a standing mulligan if Nick ever says, get out of my head in the chat. <laughs> like, I have a standing mulligan. Technically, technically too. I'm out. I'm out. As soon as Nick says that, I'm submitting a different bet. I'm deleting that message. I'm submitting a different bet. Like, oh, I hate you. All right, let's move on. All right, so that brings Jermaine to 26 and 37 on the season, down 10.85 units. Uh, Nick, after breaking his uh, losing streak last week, actually put two wins up this week, bringing him to 22, 40, and 1, down 8.35 units. Chugga, 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 <laughs> chugga, chugga, chugga. Woo, woo. Uh, uh, last week, I actually had uh, went 3 and 0, uh, bringing me to 28 and 35, down 1.25 units. Um, glad I didn't listen to you guys and take Sheffer to win. I knew he wasn't going to win, but I thought he was going to finish top five. And then Nevada went one and two, bringing him to 25, 34 and one up 1.75 units. Oh, doesn't it stink that Ricky Fowler didn't win? Yeah. Shot a final round 75. It's, it's Ricky Fowler. Why are we surprised? I know. <laughs> who who thought he was gonna win? The the only player I want to win the win win a major more than Ricky Fowler is obviously Tiger Woods. I'm I'm done with Tiger Woods. Just retire, my man. Just we'll you gave this. you gave us that Masters run, right? That unexpected Masters run. Just ride off, my oh. man. Just just take whatever walking ability you still have <laughs> and keep pushing, brother. Like sometimes when I feel cold at night, I think back to the 2019 Masters, and it warms the inside of me. Oh, is it the green jacket? <laughs> it's, it's just Ty. It's just Tiger accepting the green jacket. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, dude, I think Tiger is should just retire. He's done, man. Move on to the senior tour and go fucking terrorize those fuckers. <laughs> yeah, I wonder when like they they play on like what makes the senior tour different than uh they play in Crocs and they hit off the the what is it the white tee? I think so, yeah. <laughs> they play in Crocs. Uh all right, so we have two topics. Let's go ahead and get into the NHL uh postseason review if you want to drive us through that, Nick. Champions tour is what they call it now. Interesting. What happens if you don't have a championship? Do you um, still get to play? I don't know. Because <laughs> if not, you shouldn't name it the Champions Tour. Uh, most events take place over three rounds instead of four. And there are because there are fewer golfers, there are seldom any cuts. Tiger would dominate. All right. Let's get into NHL, Nick. All right. So NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. The 2023 playoffs. So what we're going to take you through a little bit of a, a review of the playoffs here. We've we've talked about most of it leading up to the Stanley Cup Finals, but uh, going through the first round here, we'll start in the Eastern Conference. Uh, the Florida Panthers on their run to the Stanley Cup knocked off number one seed, number one seed overall, Boston, and uh, the President's Trophy winner, Boston Bruins, uh, in seven games. They then beat uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, in in a gentleman's sweep, four to one, 
They then actually swept the Carolina Hurricanes in the conference finals uh, 4-0, even though Rod Brendamore said it was not a sweep. Um, the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, their path, they were the number one overall seed, or they were the number one seed in the Western Conference. Uh, they had a gentleman sweep over the Winnipeg Jets. They then beat the Oilers in six games. They beat the Dallas Stars in six games. And then it led to the Stanley Cup. So Stanley Cup, we, we kind of talked a, a little bit about, I, I'm going to make a lot of parallels here in the, in the Stanley Cup to the, the NBA Finals. It, it really looked like uh, in the, the Stanley Cup Finals, every game, uh, once you got past the two in T-Mobile, it, this, this started off, um, by the way, this, this started off as a series that looked like it was going to be <laughs> over very, very quickly, Jermaine. I mean, the first two games, game one and game two, the Vegas Knights won 5-2 and 7-2. You're like, oh, the, the Panthers are done. You're like, they're, they're cooked here, right? We, you know, right. The, the thing that we said needed to happen for the Florida Panthers stopped happening. Sergey Bravoski, Bravoski, Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky. Um, Bobrovsky, thank you. Uh, stopped playing well. Um this was uh this was the uh this is actually the first playoff meeting between the uh the Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers. Not shocking. This was Vegas' second finals appearance. Um their only uh, finals their only finals appearance was obviously during their inaugural season 2018 when they lost to the Caps in five games. Uh this was the Florida Panthers' second uh finals appearance their only previous finals appearance was 2006 in which they lost to the abs in a four-game sweep uh much like the 2018 series obviously neither of these teams uh, had won the cup and they split the two games in the season series so vegas jumped out to a really good lead uh in 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 vegas in t-mobile the crowd was electric uh bavrovsky was not good vegas Obviously, won five two seven two game one game two. Uh, Florida managed to come back though and win a, a win a grueling game three in overtime three uh, two. And you really felt going into game four that that they had kind of gained some of the power back right in in the Stanley Cup and you know it was it, it was a it was a game four in which if. Florida wins this game. It's a whole new. It's a zero-zero series, right? What what do we say, right? The playoffs never start. You know, a playoff series never starts until the road team wins a game. Yeah, right? and the Florida Panthers staved that off until Game Four. Staved it off until Game Four, which they looked like they it looked like a good Florida Panthers team. I thought they had a shot to win Game Four. They are probably still kicking themselves that they didn't win Game Four. Right, yeah. Uh, let's see, I'm going to pull up here. Blah, 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 blah. Game four, because game four finished 3-2 Golden yep. Knights. Yep. And, I mean, similar to game one where they had that key turnover that opened the floodgates in the in the final period with it ending up 5-2. They kind of had that same – they let off. Golden Knights got that, that you know, deciding goal and were able to, to take game – game four and make it three, one heading back to, to Vegas. 
Well, you you, you kind of saw the, the the Knights jumped out to a to a three nothing lead in Game Four, and you slowly saw Florida start to battle back, and they they battled back to the point where it was like if they can get this, like if if they get this, if they battle back to tie it, they're winning this game. Right, and then if you yeah. win the game and it's two zero, and you have now Uncle Mo moving into your house, you can go back to Vegas and you could win one in Vegas. If you want to win one in Vegas, now you're going back to like it was. You just saw all these possibilities start to come, and they just couldn't do it. They couldn't yeah. come back. They couldn't get that final goal. Game four ends three two Vegas. I just I I think that they put all of their time and all of their energy into that game four, they came out in game five and got the brakes beaten off. Well, yeah, there's a key, <laughs> there's a key storyline that right. kind of helped with that game five shellacking. Cause right. um, <clears throat> essentially the odds on favorite for the uh, con Smythe trophy, right before the series started, obviously and ob- Vegas had their own submissions, but uh, what is it? It's Matthew Kachuk, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Matthew. Oh, look at big ass Kane. Matthew <laughs> Kachuk uh, was playing lights out and he, he broke his sternum and, you know, <laughs> couldn't move his arms above his head, <laughs> which seems pretty important for hockey. <laughs> and no, it's, not, it's a- all down here. <laughs> was able to play game four. Uh, because drugs are amazing, apparently. And uh, after they lost that one, he he just couldn't get up for game five. And I can't I, imagine. I can't imagine. When did he broke his sternum in game three? It was that big hit, and I in think it four. was game three. No, because I in game two, Jack Eichel got lit up. I think it was by Kachuk. I mean, clean hits, but like right. I'm pretty sure both hits were clean from what I remember. Yeah, game three, he fractured his sternum. So, oh my God. He, he lights up Eichel in game two, and that ends up with Eichel like skating off the ice. And in game in game three, he was coming across the middle with a puck, and <laughs> Vegas was very much like, hey, you remember, you remember my boy Jack? Yeah. <laughs> Jack sends his regards. <laughs> yeah, dude. I ain't never seen something like I was like, Mr. Yo. Eichel sends his regards. Yo, that's crazy. Uh, so Matthew Kachuk got lit up in open ice, left immediately, uh, came back to the bench, and actually kind of sat on the bench. To start, if it wasn't the sec, if it wasn't the second, it was the third. But to start the period, and there had been maybe six minutes of line rotations already before he came back onto the ice. And at that point, six minutes goes by. Your guy is sitting on the bench. I'm like, he's not playing, right? He got hit like that. He's not playing. All of a sudden, I see him hop over, and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Then he he's got a broken sternum and like fractured clavicle or some crazy nonsense and uh ends up not playing game five for obvious fucking reasons i just uh, not- i mean there, there there was a story of his brother bradley was in the hotel room with him and had to get him dressed like yeah. in the morning i can't he couldn't have slept right Mm-mm. you're not sleeping with a fractured sort of like <laughs> unless they have like 
some sort of cocktail that put him to sleep, but it was oh, it was man. assisted sleep for sure. Oh man. Imagine like waking up when those drugs wore off and just being like, ah! That's exactly how he woke up. Rumor has it. He was actually the alarm they set for that entire floor in the the hotel. And so, you know, there's a few things that we we could talk about. I do want to talk about Jack Eichel. Uh, Jack Eichel did not win the Conn Smythe Trophy. That went to Jonathan Marcheseau. Uh, Jack Eichel was definitely in contention. But I want to just talk about the elephant in the room. Buffalo. Why did you not let him get that 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 disc surgery that he got? He gets traded to the Golden Knights. He gets that replacement disc surgery right in in his back, where they like take they took something from. I'm not a doctor, obviously, ladies and gentlemen. So, for the record, if you want to learn more about this, look it up. They take a piece of cartilage from somewhere else in his body, put it into the disc to to replace it and essentially repaired his back that way. And now two years after the surgery, Jack Eichel is who we thought he was, right? That's why Jack Eichel was number two overall. Uh, good question. Hold on. Number two, number three. Uh, look, he went. He came in in a class where the number one was amazing, and it was just like, yo, Jack Eichel, just like this coming class, like Jack Eichel any other year uh, is probably number one. Yeah, he was. he was second overall. Behind Austin Matthews? Uh, behind uh, McJesus. Mc, okay. I mean, that look, <laughs> the two guys we just named are fucking hitters. He's a and, bum. Yeah, I agree. And so so Buffalo, I don't know what was happening. I don't know what's being said. I don't know what medicals both teams are looking at. But they had that disagreement because of that back surgery. And this is something that I talk about regularly on this podcast because I could not believe that this talent was just traded. Um, I bring it up every time I talk about the Golden Knights now. And I said that this would be a trade of consequence. And now the Vegas Golden Knights, first of all, they've made it to the to the tippy top of hockey and are they seem poised to make this an extended run the crazy part is the golden knights don't have good goaltending no but their offense is so fucking good um that they tied the 1936 detroit red wings and 1942 toronto maple leafs for the most goals scored in a cup final game so not only that, they have the most goals scored in a Stanley Cup clincher, right? Putting up nine goals on your opponent in the deciding, like, winner-take-all game is yeah. fucking disrespectful. <laughs> it's disrespectful. Uh, it's something that hasn't been done since 42. You know, so 58 plus 23, that's 81 years. 81 years they haven't <laughs> this hasn't been done. Uh yeah, that's I, crazy. Yo, yo, take a bow, Vegas. Uh, look, this team was the best hockey team I watched all playoffs. I said that when we did our our Stanley Cup finals preview. I also gave out Jonathan Marcheseau to win the con Smythe. He had just been playing lights out. Um so I'm not really surprised. It, it's gotta be bad to be a Miami fan, though. 
right? A Miami sports fan? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're so close. Bro, you, you were teams. so close. I mean, both. Final Four as well. Like, they are, they are at base, like, at the camp that's right before the summit. <laughs> uh, and the funny thing is, is I bet you nobody was – in Miami, everyone was happy. Their team was in the playoffs. They were going and they were excited. But at, at no point in time when they saw Miami Heat and Florida Panthers squeaking at the eight, did they ever be like, oh, we could win it all. And then imagine getting there and then both teams falling apart. And you had a, over a two-week stretch, you just had to watch both teams just not have the same juice that got them there. Now – this, there's a similar campaign that the Tampa Bay Lightning had last year when they lost to the Avalanche is happening right now for the Florida Panthers. Everyone wants to talk about all the injuries they had and how they they mounted upon them. I think Ekblatt had two separated shoulders. He was playing on a fractured ankle. Um, and, when you know, asked, and when asked how his injuries impacted his playoff, he goes, oh, it was fun. Like it was, I was in the playoffs. It was fun. Like, like we, we, we do this every year where like we talk about the injuries that are like hockey players face and like teams face. There's, there's always a fucking excuse, right? Which somewhere, which I know the players are not saying, right? I don't think a lot of the players are saying, Oh, I rolled my ankle. It's like team physicians and like coaches being like, yeah, Jimmy was playing on a, like, his performance is legendary because he was playing on a rolled ankle. Like, like obviously. Or like, you know, Ekblad's performance was was legendary. He was playing on two separated shoulders, right? But mm-hmm. like, we also, then, then in one hand, we say all these injuries. And then in another hand, we take NHL players and we're like, oh my God, they're so tough. You know, it t- Kachuk was, at, was back on the ice after having his sternum fractured. Like, I mean, like... I'm sure that, like, yeah, he separated his shoulder, but he's like, yo, put it back in and let me get on the ice. Yeah, exactly. That's probably exactly how it went. Um, Yeah, dude. So listen listen to this, right? So Jack Eichel's surgery is an artificial disc replacement in Mm -hmm. his neck, right? Mm -hmm. So Eichel hasn't talked a lot about it, but there was was a dude that got it – I'm looking for John, whatever Johnson's name was. Uh, so Chicago Blackhawks forward Tyler Johnson also underwent the procedure. And he said um, that he had been dealing with – he said his neck had been bothering him for years with his off-season workouts all about managing the tingling and sharp pain he'd experienced in his, in his arm. Uh, last December, he had Bray perform the surgery, which involved a one-inch incision and less than a teaspoon of blood loss. The outpatient, again, I'll read that again. The outpatient procedure lasted approximately seven minutes as a titanium disc was inserted into his neck, bonded to the bone with the center elastic portion of the disc acting as a shock absorber. Then the ruptured disc in the neck and the bone spurs were removed. The impact restored normal joint movement as opposed to the a normal fusion procedure, which the team wanted Eichel to get, the Buffalo Sabres wanted Eichel to get, uh, which uh, that sacrifices motion in the neck. Remember the, the Peyton Manning, right? Peyton Manning has had his neck fused and he couldn't move, right? Yeah. 
Shortly after the procedure, Johnson was walking around again. No tingling. Eight days after that, he was full contact skating. (laughs) Three months after that, he tried to get teammates to hit him. Nobody volunteered. So he skated full speed into the boards and had no ill effects. Other than being stupid. (laughs) Could you imagine, though, if he skates full speed into the boards and just goes... Just goes paralyzed. <laughs> it just goes limp, dude. It just goes paralyzed. Oh, that'd be so funny. Yeah, all right. So I guess I was confusing his surgery with someone else's surgery because I described a completely different process. Uh, again, not a doctor. <laughs> so right. Uh, it just – it's mind-blowing when you sit back. and This is why I always talk about this, and I feel like I, I'm a beating or a broken record or I'm beating a dead horse, although I don't know who the hell's beating dead horses and where that phrase comes from. But I'm, that's just crazy to me. That's crazy that you wouldn't take that risk with Jack Eichel and instead you decided to trade him and continue to be bad. Well, I mean, like I – like we saw this with Tommy John surgery. We're seeing this with like a lot of experimental surgeries. Like when are we going to understand that like sports physicians kind of know what they're doing and like, it's not going to like ruin somebody's career. And it's like always like people are like, why don't you just fuse the neck? That'll be really good for hockey. (laughs) Why don't you fuse your neck so you can't move it? That's better than an experimental procedure to get our superstar back and healthy in three months. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Like, dude. like what? Like, as a GM, you're like, look, it's causing all this shit right now. You're not able to play, right? Or you're not able to play your best, right? If you don't play well, we'll just trade you or release you, right? Or have him rework his contract so there's an injury clause in there, right? There's so many ways to go about this as a GM and as a front office that you're like, okay, if you want to get the surgery, we're going to rework your contract so that if you do get injured, right, it's, you you know, it's non-guaranteed or something like that. But like, no, nothing. Let's trade him. I'd like, I'd like to go have him win a Stanley Cup. Eric, what are your, we we covered the Stanley Cup. What are your, any, any thoughts to finish up the, the Stanley Cup? Uh, I mean, not not really a big hockey guy, but from what I watched, uh, we should have all just picked Vegas to win it from the beginning. They just looked light years ahead of everybody else. It was weird. Like I, I, I guess I didn't notice it in the first few rounds, but seeing them in the in the final, they just looked like a beast of a different nature. Like it was it was wild to watch. Like I don't know, but then again, the Nuggets won their game their series of five, so maybe the better team just won each final. So I don't know. That's that's all I got for hockey, though. Uh-oh, hold on to your butts. Lu- Luisa Reza? Uh-oh. Five for five today. He's back up to 400. Yeah, buddy, let's go! Every week we're going to do a Luis, a Luis update. You know what? We'll add Corey Seager to that as long as he's hitting above 350. We're going to keep checking in with them boys because uh, I'm sick of baseball not spotlighting anybody. If you don't play for the fucking Yankees, they don't talk about you. Wait, there's more teams than the Yankees? Who who are the Yankees? <laughs> uh, all right, so we're at uh, the one-hour mark, so let's go ahead and get this NBA draft coverage in 
and uh, some light speed time. I don't really think we have a ton. We'll talk about some of the storylines coming into the draft and uh, what we should be expecting from this. And uh, for those of you who don't know, the number one overall pick has been all but decided. Uh, as you can see by the minus, what is that, 20,000 odds? Yeah. Uh, the fact that that's not another zero or two more zeros on there is kind of crazy. Um, Victor Wembenyama is a French phenom, seven foot six, eight foot plus wingspan, uh, Handles and dribbles the rock like Kevin Durant. Gets up there with Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard to block shots. Uh, Can move his feet laterally as if he was uh, a defensive ace like Drew Holiday or P.J. Tucker. Uh, I mean, when you are described, when you're creating players in NBA 2K, uh, this is probably what you come up with. This is him, yeah. I so, somebody said that he is a uh, seven foot four Kevin Durant. Yeah, that's exactly what he is. Because I mean, Kevin Durant does some things that should not be possible. So it's pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't understand what that's what that's about. Uh, so, <laughs> So the number there's no drama with the number one overall pick. The second best prospect in this draft is Scoot Henderson, who's listed on this for number one overall at plus five thousand. He's minus money for number two overall, and it's widely considered a two man race with him and Brandon Miller, who Brandon Miller is coming out of Alabama or Arkansas. Uh, he is out of Alabama, mm-hmm. Alabama, and he had a crazy season leading up to this draft he's involved with a gun shooting incident uh recently in you know the offseason now that he's out of that gun shooting incident he's gotten sick and he's lost a lot of weight so i can't imagine that's helping his draft stock uh we might see somebody we might see him actually fall down the draft board and not go as the projected number two or the projected number three Mm. What I'm and, hearing is what I'm hearing is a little bit of value then there, Jermaine. Yeah. So this, so what it is is he's going to be propped up by everyone talking about Brandon Miller, right? Because this is the same thing that happened with Michael Porter Jr. Everyone talked about Michael Porter Jr. in the media, so everyone thought MPJ should go higher. We got to the actual draft and the questions of character and the questions of health and fitness and the question of this, that, and the other. Uh, saw him plummet from you know a projected number. Michael Porter Jr. was pre- projected number one overall just the year prior, and went number eight, number nine. I thought it was thirteen, but let me double check. I thought it was still top ten, but uh, I'm not sure. So, but you're going to see something similar to that with Brandon Miller and. It's going to be very interesting to watch. He'll be he's what he's my number one storyline to watch to see if we end up with a situation where he does fall down draft boards. So are so are you saying then Scoot is probably going number two? I I've seen a lot of news reports. He said he had an awesome workout for the Hornets. Uh, the Hornets are high on him. You think he's going number two then? Yeah. A- any other draft, Scoot Henderson's the number one overall pick. Right. Right. Well, uh, so it depends so- on what philosophy Charlotte uses. Uh oh. Because 
if you're doing best player available, which Jermaine and I have talked about this, is what you do. Like, if you're at the bottom of the barrel, you go best player available. But if they're going to go with better fit for the team, the homie from Alabama might go second. Character issues and all. But I can see it happening. Okay. But now taking what you just said and taking what Jermaine said, the the, uh, gambler in me says, well, if Scoot Henderson is minus 250, and he's not somebody that we would think that that you think he's going to take. And Brandon Miller has character issues. Then who's who's the next best? Can a, a guy like Cam Whitmore out of Villanova? No. So I like Amen. Amen. Is that how you say his first name? Yeah. Amen. Amen. amen Thompson. Uh, a, amen Thompson. A, like like a, like Amen Thompson. Like. Jerace Walker, Azure Thompson. Uh, so those are widely considered the next batch of guys if you're going tier base. So Victor in a tier by himself, uh, he's so good you actually blank the next tier, like no one's in it. And then in the third tier, you have Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller. Uh, and I think that's a generous prop up for Brandon Miller. I actually – not very high on Brandon Miller as a whole. If I was the GM for one of these two picks, I'm trading out and letting someone else take the Brandon Miller uh, bag. Uh, Scoot Henderson, though, I think is the clear-cut second-best pick in this draft. Um, I think it'd be foolish if he goes anywhere past two. Um, now, the next storylines watching out of outside of Brandon Miller, right, the next storylines to watch are, you know – Charlotte wants out of the number two pick. Portland is oh. is looking to trade the number three overall pick. Is looking to blow this pick. And so now you have the potential for, you know, a chaotic trade night on NBA draft day. Uh, with Charlotte trying to get out of this pick, trying to recoup assets, trying to add stuff to their board. And Portland is in the strangest of all limbos. They have all-time great, probably the best trailblazer ever to to play for them, Damian Lillard, who is year after year – thrust into trade conversations because of the climate that LeBron James and other stars have dictated and created. Um, Dame's not interested in that and he's, but he's also not interested in a rebuild rebuild. And so now I think it's pretty fucking reasonable. That's pretty reasonable in, in, in your 12th year career. Right? <laughs> right. So, so now they're at a crossroads and depending on what Portland do with this pick, is going to speak to what what happens with Dame as a whole. Now, if Charlotte stays pat and goes with fit, like Eric discussed, which if you're coming from the JC school of GMing, I think you never draft fit because your team sucks. You draft best player available, and you depend on your coach to make it work. If your coach is worth anything, your coach can make it work. And if he's not, then you trade one of the two players. But you always take best available because when you go fit, you end up taking Darko Milicic over Carmelo Anthony. Right? Michael Porter Jr. is pick 14 in 2018. 
look, that paid off. That paid off, despite everyone wanting to roast him for having three great playoff series and then struggling in the finals. Uh, that pick for Denver paid off. I couldn't believe he fell that far. Uh, I wanted Chicago to take him at pick seven. They didn't take him. And so here we are. Denver is dominating. Um, and so that's going to be the interesting is the interesting direction. Uh, Portland Trailblazers have been linked to trading the no- – Pelicans want to have second or third pick in this year's draft. Um, the Pel- the Portland Trailblazers are linked to trading for Zion, which is another interesting discussion. Zion has played 25 games a season for four straight seasons. <laughs> so, uh, bust. yeah, we're we're approaching Anthony Bennett territory, and you know they've also been interested in sending Brandon Ingram. If the Portland Trailblazers end up with Scoot Henderson because the Charlotte Hornets fuck the draft up like they always do, and they take Brandon Miller or XYZ other player, um, does Portland trade Dame? And that's going to be the biggest thing that hangs over this. Uh, Miami Heat pulled out of the Bradley Beal trade. Um because Washington was going to hold their deal to a different standard of picks and et cetera, than was going to be with Phoenix and Bradley Beal only waived his no trade clause, which is a crazy thing to ever give a player uh, for the Phoenix suns. And so now we have a very, very interesting draft coupled with the future of a host of NBA teams. There's a ton of contenders that are trying to trade into the first round to get cheap, cost-controlled assets. Um, There has been a recent explosion of collegiate athletes that have played three or four years that have come in and made impacts on contending teams. Jalen Brunson, uh, Dante DiVincenzo, Christian Braun was a three-year starter for Kansas. You know, there's a ton of uh, there's a ton of these players like Buddy Heald, right? There's a ton of these players that because they're not young, because they've already kind of peaked at what they might be, that these player that these teams weren't drafting, and they were falling to the second round, and then those second round products. See, see Draymond Green. Draymond Green very much falls into a conversation like this. Jimmy Butler falls into a conversation like this, where they played very long in college, and because they didn't have that youthful upside of getting an eighteen and nineteen year old that you can draft, develop, and and potent, and his potential being sky high. Uh, so now you have this interesting dichotomy. So do we see more? teams take chances on you know three two three four year players in college so that way they have somebody they know they can count on somebody that's played in big important games somebody that knows how to play the game and isn't going to get you beat and so that is going to be another crazy interesting thing uh you know to watch from that perspective now I want to make sure I have this kid's name. So Keontae George, right? That's the former Kansas State. Oh, no, I think it's Keontae Johnson. So that's another storyline I want to see. I think Keontae Johnson is still in uh, in the draft. So he's draft eligible coming up to this. He's not going back to college. I would love to see this story, right? Uh, 6'5 guard, 
um, you know, collapsed on court for Florida. You know, nobody knows why, quote unquote. Um, you know, there's theories, of course. Uh, then he transferred to Kansas State and took Kansas State on this miraculous run. I think they made the Elite Eight. Uh, and I think they lost in the Elite Eight. So that's another story I want to see. I want to see if this kid gets drafted. Hopefully he gets drafted high. Somebody wants them on their squad. I just think that'd be a great storyline from that perspective. Um, so I've been talking for like the last 10, 12 minutes. Anyone else got anything they want to add to the NBA draft? Eric? Um, no, I mean, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. There's a, there's a couple dudes – um, you know this. I've I've been on Scoot for the last two years in the, in the G League. If 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 Wemby wasn't a real thing, he would be the number one pick. But also, Charlotte with the with the roster they have, I have no idea. I don't know if it makes sense to bring him in. He's got major upside. But he's only six two. He is on the smaller side, so we'll see. Uh, another dude to look at. Um. For some reason, Kansas or Duke always seems to slip one of these guys in, but Grady Dick, I actually have him going top 10 uh, at plus 190, but um, what is it, two-year, three-year starter at Kansas? Um, probably one of the best shooters, does a lot of other things off-ball off that are, are you know, great for, for a basketball team, especially a team that's in contention. Um, so if he doesn't go in the top 10, I could see, one, like Jermaine said, one of those contender teams going down and getting him. Um, we've seen it with DiVincenzo. Um, not the guy you think is going to come in and make an impact, but clearly does take helps take your team to the championship. Um, I don't know. Uh, top three guys I think are going to be studs. And then after that, there's a lot of question marks, I guess with any draft, but I don't know. It, it's, it's just, I don't have confidence after, um, after Brandon Miller. I think Brandon Miller is actually going to be a stud. The character issues are there, but I actually think he's going to be good. He was the best like true shooter. In college basketball, won the SEC Player of the Year, Freshman of the Year. Hasn't nobody's done that since Anthony Davis? So I think there is mad upside there. Um, you can get him uh, to be a top three or top dra- five draft pick. Oh no, never mind. It was somebody else I was looking at. You don't want those ads. That's minus ten thousand. You definitely don't want that. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't have much else. That's that's pretty much it. It's going to be an exciting draft. A lot of players are going to move with the new CBA. Jermaine's talked about it. We'll have an episode where we go into detail on that, but. Um, it's going to be a crazy interesting offseason and a pretty interesting draft, so I'm looking forward to it. All right, Eric, well, here, let me let me nail both of you down. Grady Dick Grady Dick played one season, brother. He only played one season? Yeah. What? All right, Jermaine, you, you, you said that this, you know, that the, the Hornets aren't, aren't beholden to two. The Blazers, the Portland Trailblazers, aren't beholden to the number three pick. So if, if it does happen in a way that the Hornets get rid of two or the Blazers get rid of three. Is Scoot still that guy there? Is there any value in a gambling position looking at, you know, guys to be a top five pick or guys to be the number two or number three pick? You know, we talked about Scoop Henderson. You talked about Brandon Miller's character issues. Is there a chance that a guy like Jerace Walker goes, uh, goes to, uh, so Jerace Walker l- largely considered the fourth overall pick for most of this draft process is actually falling out of favor. Uh, I'm not actually sure what, what what's going on in, from that perspective, but I know that the Thompson twins have – I don't know if they're actual twins or not, but the Thompson, Thompson 
kids have been climbing up draft boards, and that's why you're seeing this reflected the way it is based on draft odds. Uh, Jarace Walker is, you know, has kind of fallen out of the favor to be the fourth overall pick. Uh, he doesn't even – he's got the fifth best odds on DraftKings for fourth overall with A-Man Thompson coming in uh, and Cam Whitmore being the second best option. Um, you know, I, I think I would take A-Man Thompson over Jarese Walker personally. And But, it, again, some teams like to draft from need and position. And so it just depends on – what is going on there? So the number four overall pick is Houston and Houston. <laughs> I mean, God, Houston can pretty much use anything right now. Just they need someone to hit. Uh, Jalen Green looks like he's not going to pan out as their guard of the future. So it might benefit them from going Amen Thompson. Uh, what is Amen's height? Amen is six seven, six, seven right? yeah. Six seven. His brothers are I think the same height. They're both the same height? I believe Osor. I, I I don't know if I'm saying it right, but yeah, Osor is six seven as well. Yeah, I think it might be Ozier. Ozier? My bad, dude. I you know you know I am with these names. I'm not yeah, I'm not really sure. But Eric speaks so many languages. Mm. <laughs> so Cam Whitmore is six seven as well. I mean, everyone seems to be six seven. Jesus Christ. Drace Walker is six four for Houston. Uh, I look, dude. I, I really after number one, I feel like this is a true crapshoot, and everyone's gonna grade their guys differently. It's just kind of how how it's shaking up to be. And I, I think if I have gun to my head right now, the order I see this draft going in, I'm going Victor Scoop. Uh, Brandon will probably go just based on the slash percentages that he shot. He shot 43 from the field, 38 from three, and 85 from free throw. So usually free throws, the ability of a free to shoot free throws will let you know if you're going to be a good and consistent three-point shooter. That's a barometer that's very frequently used. So those will probably be the top three. Uh, Houston, I think they should go guard. And that's why I think Amen Thompson will slip into number four pick. And then from there, pretty much a catch shoot. So, you know, Detroit, what are they going to do? I know they just took Killian Hayes and, you know, Cade Cunningham. So do they go Cam Whitmore here or Jarese Walker? And, you know, it's kind of fascinating. And then there's this kid on these lists, right? He's usually at the bottom of all the odds. Imani Bates. And – Imani Bates, two years ago, was largely considered to be one of the next top five picks in any of the drafts. Uh, I think he committed to um, Memphis, kind of had an unceremonious falling out there, and transferred and went somewhere else. So let me double-check that for you. So yeah, current team is Eastern Michigan. Um. Yeah, so he was at Memphis and then transferred to Eastern Michigan. So that's another very interesting prospect on the board uh, that never really kind of took that leap that everyone was expecting. So I'm interested to see his rise. Now, my favorite, the the player that I want to is his name is like Kulabali. 
Oh, the kid that plays with Wemby, yeah. Yeah, the kid that plays with Wemby. Bilal Koulibaly, I think it is. He is who I would love to see, Eric, if you could get us the odds to be drafted top 10. Top 10. He's projected in, in some stuff that, I, that I've seen. He's, he's projected to be ninth right now. So like that, he, like that nine ten. He is he's what I, the bet I would I would like to take Bilal Koulibaly to be top ten. Um, like if you turn on any Wimby highlights, like if you go watch games of Wimby, I was fortunate enough to watch a few on NBA the NBA app when they were showing him. This kid's got. Is no slouch. He's got chops. He just happens to be playing. He just happens to be playing next to, you know, what I mean, he plays next to Tim Duncan. Well, <laughs> the, the thing with him is, I think he should be a top ten pick, maybe even a top five pick, but he's so thin and fragile right now, and he's going to be a development piece. Which, I mean, if you're picking in the top five, top ten, that's. Your team's probably looking for somebody to develop because you're not a contender. But I agree with you that he should definitely be a top ten pick. That's great value at plus two twenty. Um, and eventually, like in three four years, I actually think he could be a stud. I mean, he's six six two thirty. Yeah, just if uh, from what I was reading in the tape, they just he's not like he's not as athletic as some of these other guards. And I guess they don't think it's going to hold up well in the NBA. He's going to add have to add more weight and strength, but he'll get there. That, I mean, we've seen players make that leap, so he can do it. Okay, so this has six eight two hundred. I think he'll be fine. Everyone's lighting the ass in the NBA now. <laughs> uh, one player. I wish we could draft uh, players to go to specific teams. Uh, I don't know if he's gonna go there, but this uh, Jordan Hawkins kid from Connecticut, the one that won the chip. I'm only using this team as an example because they're contenders, and we know that they're, they're you know they're about to have their best player retire soon. But I think he should go to L.A. and just be an instant contributor on defense shooting because that's what they need. And we know that L.A. is going to go out and do some stupid move or something ridiculous and bring in another star that's not going to work with their chemistry because they're idiots and they're going to listen to LeBron James. But if they had any sense, I think they'd draft this kid. And I wish I could put money on that specific draft for him to get drafted by the Lakers. Uh, what pick do the Lakers have? Uh, 17th overall? Uh, 17, 17 overall, yes. yeah. yeah, 17, yes. Wow. I wonder if you, so let's see. What's a top five exact order? Oh, so you can't just pick the order yourself? It's whatever they give you? Yeah. Let's see here. Where is that? Oh, right here. I mean, that'd be pretty in, That's pretty interesting. Wimbanyama, Henderson, Miller, Thompson, Thompson. And what's that looking plus, like right now? Plus, plus, plus 800. Dude, see, I would just wish I knew that the Hornets weren't stupid and they would just draft Scoot Henderson. I mean, they loved him and Brandon Miller and they brought both back for workouts. Yeah. So they're the probably fun. that organization that's torn right now. Like, do we take the best player available in Scoot? Or do we take who the best fit? Like, how much do we believe in Lamelo and a Lamelo and Scoot backcourt? I think you trade Lamelo. 
Yeah. That's see, this is why everyone's always talking about oh how they're gonna fit. I was just like, dude, you're gonna get more for Lamelo than you will for Scoop. So trade Lamelo. Trade Lamelo to Chicago. <laughs> do it. Do it now. Uh, yeah, do it. I don't really know, man. Uh, I think I'm going to submit a, a top five exact order for uh, my head-to-head pick, though. Top five exacta? Yes, sir. Uh, I'm going to have faith that they're not stupid enough to let Scoop go before – I mean, go after Brandon Miller. So I'm going to go Wimby, Scoop, Brandon, Amen, Ozier. I think – that's not on the record yet. I'll have to submit it in chat. I got to go read up on this Drace Walker fallout. He <laughs> was so he played for Houston last year, you know, and Houston had that run. Oh, well, we'll see what happens. Maybe it's because he played for Houston. Yeah. I don't know. Very interesting. You guys got anything else for him? Negative. All right. So uh, follow us on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter at Podcast Room 303. I've been your host, Jermaine Clo Mendez. This is my co-host, Nicholas Morahan. And as always, we have with us the EPE. We'll see you next time when you come on down and step into the room.